Hello, everyone, and welcome back to A24 on the Rocks podcast. If you haven't been here before, I'd like you to know that we are the only podcast where you're going to find four movie fans who have taken up the holy endeavor of reviewing every movie in the A24 wheelhouse in chronological order while we drink. So thanks for tuning in so much. Um, We also rotate our hosts tonight. And for this movie, it's going to be me. My name's Kelly. And I'm drinking Bud Light tonight. Even now while I'm recording the beginning of this episode, I'm on Bud Light number six or so. And we're drinking the aluminum cans with army decoration on it. So maybe you think they might be leaning <laughs> one way after they leaned another. And that's 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 neither here nor there. But anyways, uh-huh. that's what I'm drinking for tonight. And after me, I'd like to introduce you to my significant other. Tonight, I'm drinking uh, Crown Royal Apple. My name's Eric Kiska, by the yeah, way. who are you? Yeah, I'm uh, <laughs> drinking Crown Royal Apple, and uh, I didn't know it was Canadian, so I'm I'm just drinking this because I love Cole. So, Cole, what are you drinking? Well, I don't know how you couldn't know that was Canadian, but uh, I am uh, continuing my white girl summer in the winters of Alaska, and I am drinking uh, White Claw. Good evening, world. It's Kevin K. Konkonachek, and tonight I am drinking rye whiskey and apple cider. Because it's fall, and I like whiskey. And if you've never missed whiskey with juice, you should do it, because it's very delicious. And when you get to the third one, your face kind of gets a little numb, and you want to talk about World War II a whole lot. So, here we go. <laughs> Hello, my friend, we'll meet again. Okay. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> I sacrifice. Creed needs no (laughs) part of this. (laughs) A24 on the racks. We are reviewing the romantic war film, The Exception. It's going to be the second movie from A24 where Christopher Plummer wants to play a Nazi. Mm. Well, not really, but I'm getting ahead of myself. Anyways, um, this movie is about a fictionalized account of the life of exiled Kaiser Wilhelm II, uh, where the Wehrmacht officer, well where a Wehrmacht officer is ordered to protect the life of him. And where that happens, love ensues. So knowing that we were about to get into a romantic film, I think it's, I, maybe my memory's failing me at the moment, but what was the last like A24 romantic film that we might've watched in this order? Do you guys know, Eric? Uh, Well, I mean, we watched The Lovers last you know, for our last A24 film, what, like, what do you mean in this order? Like, are you talking about like a war, uh, a romantic war film or just a romantic yeah, have film? We, in the A24 wheelhouse, so we're going through in chronological order, right? Yeah. Is there any other movie that's kind of been similar to this one where it's like this kind of epic war, I like era romance? I took comparisons yeah. to the, uh, the second movie we ever watched, which was Ginger and Rosa. 
which was the sure. 1960s oh, yeah. um, war film that involved some romance um, in there. A type of different, but I was actually thinking about that film as I was watching this a little bit. and was like, oh, yeah, there's some similarities there. I think this falls yeah. in the star-crossed lovers romantic, uh, you know, genre. Uh, and equals. I can't really think of another star-crossed lovers romance uh, in A24 that we've watched so far. I'm looking through the list. Equals? And... Yeah, maybe that. Tusk, you know, a man in a walrus, I could say, probably Tusk. Um, And that's about it, though. Yeah, not a lot of star-crossed lovers in in, uh, these romantic films we've watched so far. I mean, Romeo and Juliet have got nothing on a Nazi officer and a Jew, right? No, (laughs) probably not. So this movie is kind of unique in that aspect. It's also unique in the fact that it's directed by a theater director. I don't know if you guys, and I want to just like go off on this other thing that our director of this movie, David LaVue, also directed Jesus Christ Superstar live for TV. Did anybody else watch that with, yes, Eric? Yeah, we watched that together. The John Legend one? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, John Can Legend we talk plays about Jesus that for a moment. Yeah, sure. How amazing I mean, was that? It was great. Yeah, Jesus Christ Superstar is one of my favorite uh, musicals, and yeah, I've never seen it. No, no, we saw it in person at uh, the Detroit mm-hmm. Opera House. Yeah, that was a really cool rendition of it too. And um, yeah, the TV version was also like awesome, especially yeah, you see John Legend as Jesus. That is such a like. I, I never saw John Legend act in anything. Maybe La La Land. He was in La La Land, actually. And uh, besides that, though, I've never seen him act in anything. And he was so good in that. The fact that our, our director has been nominated for five Tony Awards uh, and, mm-hmm. you know, does work with the Shakespeare Company, Royal Shakespeare Company, uh, Broadway, you know, and all those other things is pretty damn impressive. Do I think it really came across as anything in this film? Not so much. Meaning, like, I didn't notice anything while I was watching this film that would have been like, oh, that was an approach from somebody who specializes in theater. Maybe the performances from Christopher Plummer, but although at 87, you can't really direct that, right? He's going to just do what he can with that. Um, but maybe some of the other performances, he did get some some good stuff out of there, but I don't know if it really would influence this film too much, but I do think it's a really cool fact either way. Sure. Cole, do you have anything to say on that? Because that was going to be my question. Do you feel like any of those kind of theater influences are something that you see throughout this movie. I did not know until you told me, but uh, now I just feel like I watched a really weird version of Sound of Music where no one sings the whole time. So, <laughs> But Christopher Plummer was still there the whole time. Listen, mm-hmm. not everything that happens in Amsterdam necessarily has to be the Sound of Music. Anyways, this whole movie was based on an 20... 20- 13 novel by Alan Judd called The Kaiser's Last Kiss. Again, before we crack into the movie, I'm giving more and more preamble. Who else even was curious about the Kaiser from World War II? I want to kind of like get into the psyche of the rest of you. Like, who's a big World War II buff? Who was kind of curious about any of this kind of backstory? Because I'll go ahead and say for me, I didn't even know what a Kaiser really was. Um, Forgive me for that, but... I had no idea. Kevin? Um, familiar with a little bit of World War One history and kind of the Kaiser's relevance in that and why he would be a big deal in German history when it came to World War II. Uh, I did not know too much of his existence during the World 
you know, the Second World War. I was very interested to see kind of them pull that together. I did appreciate this film from a historical aspect. I think that there was probably a lot of um, at least a historical accuracy from some of the titles and some of the references from some of the battles and um, some of the historical figures that we did see in the film. I appreciated kind of recognizing some of those things as terrible as the atrocities of World War II was um, to, to get to see um, the you know, representation of guys like Himmler. Um, and you know what maybe a young Nazi officer would have been like um, in that search circumstance. So not necessarily a buff by any stretch of the imagination, but did go in with a little bit of background and did appreciate their attention to detail on the historical aspect. Hmm. Cole, are you buffing out on World War II history? Thoughts? I would say I'm a, maybe like I like to dabble in the history of World War II, World War One. You know, my really my my uh, when I was every time they mentioned Kaiser, all I can think about is the film All Quiet on the Western Front that came out what, mm-hmm. like a couple years ago. That was very very good. Um, and kind of dives into like the Kaiser and their role and stuff like that in World War One and how um, and a remake from I, like 1930s, right? One of the first yeah. like anti-war films. Mm-hmm. So I was um, very interested to see, I guess, like how the Kaiser kind of gets involved in World War II because I wasn't super familiar with, again, the Kaiser being involved. I also did not know this was like a romantic movie until about halfway through. I had no (laughs) idea what this movie was about. Uh, Very bold choice all around to make this film. I felt like it was just a, I don't know if this was maybe a book or a story or something prior, but uh, anyhow, very, very bold undertaking. Yes, it was a novel beforehand. Um, And I don't know the critical acclaim of that novel. I assume, I mean, it was well enough to get the eyes of everyone involved in this movie. Eric, I want to give you a chance to kind of weigh in, like, going into this movie, what's your amount of World War II history that you had ahead of time? I definitely know the most about World War II and Civil War. Uh, Were you about to ask me another question, too? I was going to say, and how important is it that you know what you knew going into it? Um, I feel like they did establish enough of, uh, they, they put it on a silver plate for you, like what was going on with the Kaiser and how there was an ex-German monarchy that the Nazis were, they didn't want to publicly get rid of them, like uh, to the whole world, but they did want to secretly get rid of them. Uh, and... I knew that, like, there was a Kaiser that was living in exile after the Nazis took reign because uh, the Weimar Republic um, was that that's what happened right after World War Two or World War One in Germany. There was a big rebellion and uh, basically the monarchy got destroyed and uh, they instituted a democracy and the Nazis were actually like democratically elected and. After the Nazis took power, they got rid of democracy, as uh, fascists do. So yeah. there's a um, lot of references to the Democratic Socialist Republic of etc. Yeah, in this democratic film. in yes. quotes. Uh, yeah. They are, <laughs> you know, as a lot of like uh, fascist countries uh, do, they like to float that they might be actually a democracy, but they really aren't, you know. And so either way, uh, the Kaiser though. He was kind of a big thing in Nazi Germany because there were still some people that believed in the monarchy 
and the Nazis, they kind of held up people like Friedrich Barbarossa, who was like a very old German monarch. Uh, they held him up as like the example of Aryan supremacy and an example of like German military power. And they didn't want to like outwardly say like we don't like the monarchy or anything. They just wanted to kind of secretly have all the power. And so that kind of context going into this film, I knew and it did make it more interesting. Like I wanted to see the Kaiser portrayed by somebody uh, that was a good actor. And I actually think Christopher Plummer did a pretty good job as the Kaiser. Yeah, so I want to immediately get into that. Like our thoughts of the Kaiser himself, our thoughts of the cinematic portrayal of how that entire, it's not a castle that he lives in. It's actually in filming. It's a private property at this point, but it is in um, the Netherlands, yeah. Belgium. Yeah, it's, oh, in, it's Belgium. in Belgium. I thought it was the Netherlands. Yep. No, the filming oh, yeah. was in Although, Belgium. The setting yeah. is Netherlands. But the the setting of the movie is in, is in Holland. Okay. Yep, but um, everything that's shot throughout is taking place in Belgium, and this okay, is yeah. private property where he lives now. Anyways, the cinematography of how they shoot these scenes of the grandiose, like, outlier of how they make this estate seem like a castle. Like, these are all choices from our cinematographer that I think play off really, really well. In addition to that, and to immediately go back to the opening shot of this movie, we open up on a, the word I want to use is almost like pristine, dreamlike kind of scenario of this blonde young girl who looks to be dead in a field. And as time goes on, we see more and more that are dead on the field. This is a, in my opinion, this is a brave kind of opening for a movie. And um, they kind of blur the edges to make it look even more dreamlike. And then our main character wakes up and that's the dream that he's having. And it occurs to be like a reoccurring nightmare. I just, I found that kind of opening quite striking. It looked like a old painting to me. I don't know. Did this have, did this opening have any impact on you guys? Like, just speak up if so. Yeah. Uh, I was like, you know, disturbed by the dead body. And I, I mean, later in the film, uh, we see a pile of dead bodies. And I knew that this dead body had significance, probably for the main character. And we realized that it was a flashback of him seeing an actual historical event that happened, uh, I believe it was in Poland, right? Yeah, where there was an actual war crime that was committed where they gunned down a whole village of Polish people. And uh, after, this is a real thing that happened, after the war, they convicted the people that committed that crime. I had to look up the historical significance of it. But yeah, that was a real thing that the book drew from and the movie included. Yeah, so... Kind of like you just mentioned, though, like knowing the history and watching the movie, it's almost like you don't necessarily need to know one or the other. If you disagree, speak up. But I think I love that this made you want to look more into the history, but it's it's still a historical fiction at the end of the day, right? Mm -hmm. um, and you can look into those events more and more, and it's always good to kind of raise that awareness. And with the Kaiser himself, what I was looking into, because I, I had to like watch something that actually told me more about him, right? And he is known for, in Dutch communities, like 
they all had this like whispering kind of artifact of this used to be a very important man and now he just lives here and he chops wood all day long. <laughs> and they made that a thing yeah. in the movie where he chops wood all day long. So that actual historical person himself, if that's all we know, what do we think of Christopher Plummer's performance with this kind of character who we know historically was meant to be a monarch and is in exile from it. Like how richer of a script could you have been given? How richer of a backstory could you have been given? And how did Christopher Plummer do? Go ahead, Kevin. Okay. Um, so I was reading that it was Christopher Plummer who was uh, the one who brought this to the attention. He was reading the novel and uh, brought it to his agent who then brought it to uh, the forefront uh, as far as getting this uh adapted into film. So I think him realizing this as he was reading the novel, kind of seeing himself in this role, is very key to his performance because he just does such a great job because he can kind of see himself putting maybe um, as kind of the last vestiges of his of his career. He's 87 at the time of this um, movie. So that tells you a lot. Wow. When you get to the end of your career, when you're starting to look towards kind of the finish and you do such a great job with performance this one was really excellent i mean he uh, his performance specifically was really excellent i think there was just a a touch of of care to his sentimental moments there was a touch of 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 anger and brashness to his um moments where discussing the war and some of the passionate parts and um, I just really enjoyed the ending, and we'll get to that and just all of those things. But um, his performance was a highlight, no doubt, and he just did a really good job of, of embodying what I guess I could imagine an aging monarch would look like, especially in exile when you're looking at the atrocities of your country and what you <laughs> went to war for once upon a time, and now they're murdering children and, you know, the Holocaust and all those things. So. It was uh, there was a powerful moment, and I'm sure we'll touch on it later when we talk about the dinner scene with um, with Himmler. But in general, I thought that he just did a really great job. Yeah, and the way that I kind of want to go about our discussion is kind of like a character study. I want to talk about almost the actors' performances as if we had just watched a play, because for me, I felt like the the playwright aspect of the way that this movie was directed was like quite apparent. And it's not only because of the writing by Simon Burke. I think that the script was super powerful. And I want to get right back into those characters. But because I just mentioned the word script, I want to hear from Eric. Kind of your thoughts on the script of this whole movie and what you're kind of like. For me, I found it powerful. I'm not trying to throw words into your mouth, but go ahead. So my, I, I like... I would say I found the script to be average, actually, overall. This is uh, my big gripe with the film, that it sort of lacks the character development of our two main characters. It made me care about our two main characters in their historical context, but it did not make me care about their romantic entanglement. That first scene where he's just like, take off your clothes. I'm just like... Can you just, you know, give us a little, like, foreplay or something, you know? But a little bit more. Like, it, it's like... Um, but he was a Nazi. He can yeah, they gave these yeah. two people He's goals in the film. And they did a good job of placing them in history, but they forgot to give them, like, 
personalities outside of their goal. And uh, they both have had, like, traumatic pasts, but even in that backstory, it doesn't make me feel a lot of emotions towards them. And that's, I mean, a more general thing. Uh, my opinions on Germans living in Nazi-occupied Germany are not very high. Uh, I don't exactly, you know, think they're... All of them were horrible people, but some of them were not... We're still not good people uh, because they kind of sat Some by and did nothing. Some of them were like nothing. the exception. Yeah. Oh, just like, boy. But, um, Bum. That was a little... Eh. But um, I will say, though, that the plot and historical context and subtext of this movie makes up for it. And maybe it's because I'm a bit of a World War II like, uh, history nut. And uh, the whole Kaiser subplot and a maid being a secret British agent is actually, like, a really interesting circumstance. The romance of the film I just did not completely buy into. That's uh, my one gripe of the film, even though I kind of liked a lot of the other plot of the film. Okay, sure. Cole, I want to give you this soapbox that you can stand on and tell me your kind of thoughts on the script. Yeah, so I, um, I'm kind of... I would say I'm team Eric on this one. I felt like the, maybe like the umbrella, like the whole overarching concept was very unique and interesting. And I had never seen anyone, like, again, I had never seen any film or, 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 you know, any kind of TV show kind of take the, this idea of the Kaiser after World War One and seeing you know, this country that he fought so hard for take a, you know, a very dark and interesting turn in World War Two, And then, you know, you have the aspect of a maid, like a spy. And, you know, you get Winston Churchill and almost how like the British is on the monarchy side compared to, you know, his own, you know, Hitler at the time is almost against him. And uh, it's like very unique dynamics and everything. And I thought that was very cool. Um, but then they throw in this weird romance story that I felt it just did not stick for me. I mean, when the first time you meet the person, you tell her to take off her clothes and you basically like <laughs> force, you know, force her to have sex with you. But then she falls in love with you. And but then she's Jewish and you're like hardcore Nazi. But, you know, you're OK with her being Jewish. But I don't know. I felt like that aspect just it did not stick with me. Um, it also didn't seem like it stuck with our Nazi guy too, uh, too, you know, like, you know, he obviously loved her and he was like, I want, I want to marry you, but I'll marry you after this whole World War II thing, you know, blows over and we're done with, you know, hating the Jews. I'll see you later kind of thing. So I, I don't know, um, you know, like the idea, but I felt, I thought maybe if they just pulled the romance out of it, it would have been a lot better. I, I will say, I can I say one thing? Sorry. Uh, no, I think that the intention of her, uh, she said later in the film, like, I was using myself. Like, I was, you know, I wanted to have sex with you to get more information initially. Uh, and then I fell in love with you. That's what I got from it. But at the same time, I feel like she could have done that without having sex with him. Uh, she could have flirted with him. And, you know, there it didn't need to go to the extreme of like, okay, I'm going to undress and bend over on a table for you. That... It just felt a little weird that they had to add that part in uh, and maybe unnecessary. Nah, I disagree with that. Okay. Um, and I think that that scene was so, I mean, it is eyebrow raising when he says, 
get undressed. But she so clearly wanted him to say so, in my opinion, and totally was there for all of it. And she reaffirms that later in the movie where she's like, where he apologizes for how he behaved the first time, the quote unquote, first time that they met. And she goes, well, I wanted that to happen. And I really like the um, call and answer almost where she comes back the second time. And she's the one who tells him to undress. And um, I like that part. The first. Yeah, yeah, the first question that I had written down for this entire movie, the first like overarching question was, do just looks of another person constitute an entirely moral changing life path? And that's like, that's a hypothetical. But that's, I feel like, what the movie's trying to tell me. If our main characters are supposed to be this love story, I think that some of our stronger writing and some of our stronger story comes from the Kaiser and the princess. I think that those two almost give me a better love story at the end of the movie, but to stop from getting ahead of myself, Kevin, right. it looks like you also so would like to weigh as in. As soon as their interaction at the door, uh, when he walks in and she answers it, Mika does. I said, will he fall for the maid? Meaning that the energy was initially mm-hmm. there immediately. The uh, I see you, you see me, there's some sexual energy. So that scene made it not nearly as awkward for me when the take your clothes off moment happened. It was a weird mix for me because it was like, was he using his power as the captain to be like, you're going to do this because if you don't, I'm going to take it anyway. But then she said she wanted it. And I was a little confused, but the rest of the movie made it very, very clear. And I like that they, like you said, did the callback. She explains everything. Those aspects of it made it, uh, I guess, better, made it more digestible from a love story aspect. Um, But I agree with you also that the better writing and the better parts of this movie do surround um, the Kaiser. And the book is based off the Kaiser. Therefore, this film in general should be truly based around him. And it is. uh, I think this love story thing is kind of like weird example, the Titanic, right? So the Titanic is all about the actual boat sinking, and then we have this <laughs> romance also happening off on the side. No, that's a good example, actually. Yeah. Right. That's a really accurate one. There we go. One. So maybe this movie is <laughs> a little bit like Titanic in that sense, from yeah. a historical and aspect. I'll say, Cole, like, um, I initially like thought, oh, he was kind of forcing himself on her. But then mm-hmm. she comes back and says, like, yeah, I, you take your clothes off. But later you kind of get more context where she said, I was using myself, because uh, he initially accused her of using him. And when he said, like, I was using my, or when she said, I was using myself, I think that was initially, she, like, initially wanted to get more information, and she was using her body to try to get more information into what was going on. She did actually fall in love with him. Yeah, like, I, I think she had autonomy in those scenes. I, I feel like I, I she could have like maybe flirted with him a bit more as opposed to just taking her clothes off and bending over on a table. That's my thing. So she was also Listen, a if he didn't have shrapnel in... inside of his body, oh. it would have never worked out. <laughs> That's true. I don't Girl, think it was a love was at yoloing. first sight thing though. That's where she I'll disagree. Yoloing. I don't think it was a love at first sight thing. She I think she did initially use him, but she knew that like, oh, I probably could get this information in some other ways but she was using herself to get even more information. 
It was yeah. sex at first sight. Yeah, yeah, she had lost her husband, right? So she's lost and is a widow, and it was uh, YOLO. It was doing what you want to do while, <laughs> you know, figuring it out. <laughs> Cole, did you have anything to say? I mean, nothing more beyond, I guess, what I just said. I will say, I guess I didn't quite pick up on um, the aspect where, uh, you know, she said she was using herself. So when you put it in that context, it definitely seems, you know, less, I guess, creepy and shitty. But I yeah. still am just, I, I just, I still <laughs> am just not sold on their relationship. And like, you know, I think Kevin was the one that said, you know, that there, I, I wish there was a little bit more flirting or interaction between the two. Because really, all you saw him was her being a maid, him being a Nazi, them meeting up, having sex, and then, and, and then they're in love. It felt so. a little too convenient. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, agreed. <laughs> Aw. I love that all the gentlemen involved in this think that it's maybe less romantic than I even found it. I found it kind of romantic. <laughs> but that's just me. Um, I want to talk. I know that I said we're going to do character studies. But we've touched on the top three, I think. Unless anybody wants to weigh in again on how Jai Courtney, who personally I've never seen him, who plays Captain Stefan Braun. Brant, Brant. I don't know. I feel like I have to take on a German accent. I've never <laughs> seen him in anything else. Have you guys ever seen him in anything else? I sure have. I've seen him Tell as Tell me Cap- about it. Captain Boomerang in Suicide Squad. Oh, um, yeah. Okay, the, wait. So, um, Kelly, we yeah. saw Suicide Squad. Yeah. Yeah, was, I don't remember. He was the guy Captain who threw Boomerang. Boomerang around and yeah, then decided to run around Boomerang and got his head blown off. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, I've seen him in, in Suicide Squad. I think. And then he was also in Wet Hot American Summer 10 years later. And uh, we, I, I watched that on Netflix. I've seen him, but I did not know. And uh, also, he's Australian. So that mm-hmm. is uh, quite a shock to me because I actually think he did do a good German accent in this film. Yeah. Oh, see, sure. like, you triggered me with that because I feel like the accents were all over the place. From they're all British to pretty me. much every actor other than Christopher Plummer, I feel like they so. were okay everywhere from somewhat British to somewhat German to straight up as the girl. But yeah. Straight up, I thought that he was American for like the first ten minutes of the movie. Okay, <laughs> just me? No, no, I I agree with you. I thought the accents were weak. I didn't think they really stuck out overly, and I thought they all kind of sounded bland and. This is what would be if they weren't actually speaking German. So yeah. just use what you want to do. It's a know. weird thing in film when you're trying to portray like historical events in other countries, but you're like shooting, you know, from an in American English. film uh, production company. And yeah. you, you're just kind of wondering like, oh, should everybody just do German accents here? Should people like speak? Yeah. In English, in a Dutch accent. But like, I don't know. What do you do? Like it, if you uh, don't want to go the full route of speaking in German, then uh, how do you make it sound realistic? It's kind of a weird thing in film. Yep. And I think that might be a weakness on our director, if we're going to point fingers anywhere. I saw in some like backstories where the actors are really complimenting him because he's kind of like, he's like a more gentle kind of director. And if he were not, he would probably have slapped their wrists and said your accent needs to sound stronger but it seems from scene to scene that didn't necessarily happen i almost feel like i can watch the movie and see like day to day what 
takes happened when based on how strong certain actors' accents were. So if I was to really dissect it, I feel like I could almost put that in order. Eric, why are you laughing? Uh, Rocky was putting a paw into your into the room, and then he opened the door, and I saw him pawing around on the on the wall. So okay, anyway, you can't keep me out, mother. <laughs> I want to go back to character studies, and I want to talk about how Jeanette McTeer played uh, her character. And does anyone have any kind of awareness of her? I'm like a complete. I want to say noob. I'm going to just say noob. I'm a noob to all of these actors. I don't know any of them from anything other than Christopher Plummer, who's been in a previous A24 movie. Jeanette McTeer, is she a big deal? How did she do um, Cole or Eric? Did you guys ever see her in anything? I haven't. Uh, she's no. in the menu. She's in the menu? Holy shit. Yeah, she's the she's the um, uh, the food critic lady oh that's fucking awesome that, every, that you hate i love the menu so. um but yeah well it seems this film has a lot of like indie actors in it that ha- mm. i've probably seen in a, a film or two i just like it doesn't come to to mind uh when i think of their name which is very fair except for christopher Plummer, because he you know obviously was in remember but also he's been in a lot of like other classic films too well, I want to say of the character of the princess, I feel like she was one of our stronger written characters where she holds out this hope that the monarchy is going to be reestablished. She's constantly writing letters to make sure that that does occur. And she really cares about their impression on even our captain who comes to live in their house eventually. What characters for you guys were like your big like standout like interest in the first half of this movie kevin do you have a standout i think i've kind of already beat down how much i enjoyed christopher Plummer's role so i won't elaborate too much on no that. beat it down harder no he was he was excellent <laughs> and he was uh he doesn't need that and replay it I, I <laughs> beat it down harder uh, i guess him himler the guy who played himler who was he? This is Adir Marsan. When you can play one of the most evil human beings ever to exist on the planet and come across as relatively creepy and intimidating, you did a good job. So not a gr- like a, a, an elaborate role, but uh, I thought he did a pretty good job. I didn't like the performance by the inspector. He was too whiny, wasn't very intimidating to be a Nazi. I don't know why he was given that spot. The role of the uh, the friar, uh, the, the the padre, the pastor, he was pretty good in limited roles. I don't know, nothing really sung for me outside of, of Plummer, maybe because of his star power and his command and everything else. It really, everything else cause it was a little, was a little uh, dimmer in comparison to him. He, he overshadowed everything, and not in a bad way. He just was this all-powerful acting experience in this film, and I think I'm maybe overselling a little bit because it was probably the really big, bright spot for me in this entire film. Uh, probably the only really thing I truly enjoyed about it, to be honest with you. Okay, we've opened it up then to the second half, where mm-hmm. Himmler's even present. Do I want to ask you guys more about standout acting performances? I think I want to give you guys the field on that. 
Cole, do you have anyone other than Christopher Plummer, as far as their performance or as far as their character was written, that really like stood out to you that you might want to talk about? I mean, I'm going to have to stretch for it just because I felt <laughs> like Christopher Plummer, again, was the star of the show. Um, the princess, uh, Janet, I think she... Uh, well, like what what she was given, she did a very well job, very very good job. She was very very good at it. Um, but I will say the person that I probably liked the most besides Plummer was uh, Captain Boomerang. I thought he did a, a excellent job of being the stereotypical Nazi guy, and uh, you know I thought he fulfilled that role pretty well. Um, you know, there's a couple scenes where I thought, you know, where he first sees who is it, the priest with the uh, the uh, Gestapo. And he's kind of shaken up or whatnot. Um, but overall, I thought, you know, I would say the overall performance of this film was fine. Christopher Plummer was the, the shining star, but everyone did a fine job. I just, you know, I just wish they, they had more substance or just there was something more to it, I guess, overall. All right, Eric, this is your turn. Tell me about like standout performances, regardless of the entire film. I agree it was Christopher Christopher Plummer was the standout performance, you know. Uh, <laughs> I think Janet McTeer did a very good job as Princess Hermione, and Eddie Marsan as Heinrich Himmler was a standout performance to me. He walked in the film, and I, I was just like, this guy's fucking evil. Like, I can... Thank you. Sometimes Thank when you. an actor walks into the screen... And they have, like, a certain ambiance about them. You can feel, like, the chills in your body. And uh, I felt that with him. And that was a good... Like, another example of that would be Anthony Hopkins in Silence of the Lamb. Uh, Like, the second you turn the corner and see his face, you get chills in your body. And I actually felt that with Eddie Marsan in this film. Uh, I I wouldn't say it was to the extent that I did with uh, Hannibal Lecter in Silence of the Lambs. but, uh, But, like... Yeah, he did a good job of, like, just being the creepy Nazi guy, especially, oh, my God, when he talked about just killing children, uh, basically, for sport. Dude, that scene, (laughs) that scene was the highlight of this movie for me in the way that it made me feel something, Yeah, I guess. The, like, death dinner conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin, go off on it. Oh, just literally, it was the highlight of the film for me. It it was the one thing that made me go, holy wow. Everyone's reaction to him, the way the room fed off of it. right there, holy wow. Oh, holy wow. Um, (laughs) The way that the historical aspect played into it, knowing full well that they couldn't do a damn thing because this is the second most powerful man in the entire Nazi regime. Like, it was palpable. And the way they had set him up as being this, like, sex pest right off the bat, like, cheating on his wife and having the, the hooker in the room and having all of these other things. Like, you just know that this guy is pure evil. And that that scene was just brilliant. Just the laissez-faire way of discussing murdering disabled children with shots of drugs to the heart was just so chilling because it was real. I think I wrote it down. It was like something along the lines of basically that. It was just like it was the most chilling thing because of the reality of the history and knowing that's exactly what happened and that was true fucking real life that that monster actually existed just bonkers and i i do have something to say like the germans in here aren't exactly redeemable like i think the film tries to make them a little redeemable and a lot of them generally weren't anti-nazi until they heard of the grim details from himmler of nazis killing children but before that they didn't really have a lot of problems with killing jewish people and bolsheviks in their country like 
Princess Hermione was completely fine. Like, oh, they took care of a couple of Bolsheviks at the Night of Long Knives. Um, and it was almost like they were okay with the killing of adult Jewish people and Bolsheviks uh, just dying. And the children being killed was just a little a step too far. So I feel they're all a little bit guilty by association. And I do truly believe that, like, not all Germans in Nazi Germany were as bad as the Nazis. But a lot of them just got swept up into the Nazi party, taking hold of their country by force. And they weren't exactly good people either, though. Like, I don't, like, want to buy into this belief that, like, the not the Germans in Nazi Germany were, like, any of them were that good of people. Unless they were actively rebelling against the Nazi party, which in here, this movie, they were not really doing that until the very end of the film. And... I don't really buy that innocence from them, which is another thing of believability with this film. Well, they were they well, were in Netherlands, right? So they were not in uh, Germany. Well, some of them were in Germany before, and then, I mean, Himmler and Princess Hermione were definitely aware of uh, the Night of Long Knives and the Nazis going around sh- killing a bunch of Bolsheviks and Jewish people. So, oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because... That's the thing I think about this movie is that history almost takes like a backseat. It's set in a historical era and it's an important one because you literally have Nazi flags in front of you. You literally have Himmler in the movie, but it's supposed to be about romance and how that kind of bridges the gap. And... Like, for me, I think I've already revealed my cards that I think it's almost about, like, an older romance than it is about this newer one. Though, the newer one is, like, more exciting. Though, it's just based on, in my opinion, just, like, two beautiful bodies is what the two of them fell in love with. But there's this beautiful love between the Kaiser and the princess's romance that comes into play not until later in the movie. And I love that this movie kind of parallels those two kind of relationships. And one that kind of stands the test of time that's based on hope. And when they find out that their hope is not going to last, it's not going to be the thing that kind of bridges that gap and gets them back to where they wanted to be. They're still kind of okay with it. So I kind of want to open the door then to more the end of the film and... At the same time, I realize we haven't talked about the score of the film. For me, the score and the cinematography of the film, it really wants to be quite grandiose. And I do definitely think while watching this movie, I was like, I'm watching a, like, quote unquote movie, like big screen kind of production. I don't know if you guys kind of felt that way. I don't know if it's just because it's like a wartime romance, if I would feel that way about like any movie that's in that same kind of genre. But I guess my question is, Cole, when you were getting onto the ending paths of this movie, was your impression the same as the beginning? Did it feel like a big, huge thing to you? Did it feel like a great big production or were you exhausted? Somewhere in between. I liked, um, I think like, I think you kind of nailed it with like the big production and the like, you know, the big house and like beautiful sceneries and definitely, you know, put a lot of thought and money into it. But I felt like the end of kind of, I don't know, I, I like almost felt like they blew all their budget 
already and then the ending was just a lot of kind of people sitting at desks or you know being handed a letter and didn't feel as as big and and grand as it, it did so i don't know i i felt like it kind of fell flat or maybe trailed off a little bit for me um, i definitely was a little bit exhausted towards the end of it i will say i will give this movie props for showing both male and female nudity so um <laughs> pro- props to that what so a segue. Uh, you know let's talk yeah. about the boobs and the <laughs> at penis. least they should yeah. they hang the dong you know yeah that's what at i'm saying like, you know we're talking about flaccid talk about beautiful Gotta bodies and, and, and you know they're forcing there's forcing the yeah. poor maid to strip down but she turned it and she made him whip his dick out and show the world so you know at least we got <laughs> that going for us always pro male um, nudity in film so we have yeah, heard this before be this is one of you know. eric's standpoints i think i i dropped my jaw and i looked at eric and i said look it Male nudity. <laughs> they did it. They fucking did it. <laughs> um, and you know, they this this movie definitely crossed off a few things that I had never expected to see in a film, which was like a love story um, of them trying to maybe make me like the Nazi guy, but also I never thought I would see just a Nazi dick. So that was definitely like a, <laughs> something that I never thought I would see. I don't know if I would say I wanted to see it. But, um, you know, I can't say any other well, movie's going to do that. I ask myself the same question. I'm like, am I supposed to feel sympathetic towards this Nazi all of a sudden because he mm-hmm. disagreed with the SS and beat them up? I mean, he did, I guess, stand against them and was doing it for his country. It's very apparent in the film that he's, he cares about his country more than he cares about the policies of whoever. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, it was it was interesting. They were like, this is your main protagonist. You must love him. He's a Nazi. Yeah, I said <laughs> one of my questions for you guys was can we root for a Nazi even if he is the exception? That's the whole point of the movie. There you go. Yeah. You just fucking yeah. nailed it because he is the exception. We have to root for him because he is the fucking God damn it. This movie's not that clever. They should not do that. That's bullshit. Yeah. Like, I don't here's my problem. I, I, I wasn't a big fan of the protagonist in this film. I'll just say that. No, either was yeah. I, Eric. I'm with you. It really he didn't do it, anything really redeeming for me whatsoever. Honestly. No, like my my problem is they're like, yeah, he stood up against a fellow Nazi in mm-hmm. one specific mm-hmm. tragedy that he witnessed. Mm-hmm. But in every other aspect, he's just like, you know not you know, that that one SS officer, he gave us a bad name, I'll tell you what. <laughs> and, and it's like, no man, y'all 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 are pretty bad here. And right. I was hoping that when um, when the maid, uh, Lily James, you know, said that, no, like, you know, he's not the exception, like, you know, kind of you are or like, you know, he's the he's the what did she say? He's the, the, he's rule. the rules. Yeah. Like, that's that's what they're supposed to do. I, I was hoping that something was going to change, but it, it really didn't, to be honest. Or at least it didn't feel like it to me in our Nazi Captain Boomerang man. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> Certainly. Eric, do you want to give kind of thoughts on... I mean, I know it's a big question. I'm asking basically your thoughts on the whole end of the entire movie <laughs> as we come up to about our 50-minute mark. I mean, lots of thoughts on, like, I want you to touch on cinematography, I want you to touch on score, and just kind of how they wrapped up this entire film. 
Uh, I like the score of the film. It was a grand cinematic score that was needed for a war film like this. Cinematography, I felt like there wasn't a ton to write home about. Like, I can't really think of a lot of shots uh, looking back like, ooh, that would be a beautiful picture. Maybe some of the shots of the mansion they were living in. Uh, I kind of like that. But there weren't a lot of other shots like that. Um, And the acting in this, like, Jai Courtney and Lily James were just fine. But it was really uh, Christopher Plummer and Janet McTeer that made this film uh, a little more than maybe just an average film, I would say. But yeah, like I, I just think the plot has some problems and our character development definitely has some problems. And the ending, the whole kind of like deception where he kills uh, two Nazi officers, uh, drives out like uh, and of course our... Uh, Kaiser Wilhelm, like, he looks like he's about to die, like, he is, uh, dizzy, and it's all used as a distraction to, uh, get our main female protagonist away from the castle and, you know, like, get her to freedom, basically. I, I found that to be a interesting deception. Was I on my feet the whole time in suspense? I don't think I was. I don't think it was exactly like this film where I was so much in suspense. I was like rooting for them until they reached the final cross of the the ribbon, uh, the the end of the marathon, as as to speak. So I it like worked as an ending, but it did not like uh, make me feel any extra way about this film. I would say so. Uh, that that would be my thoughts as the on the ending. Hmm. Kevin, I'm going to kind of ask you the same, but I'm going to curtail it and kind of sandwich you into on the ending and also throughout the movie, there was this relationship that was budding between like the Kaiser and our spy maid. And not to say that you have to give a thought on it, but it was something that was a string that carried us through to the end where there all the way until they're sitting in the back of this escape vehicle. What were your kind of thoughts on that budding relationship? What did it mean for the Kaiser's character? What did it mean for her character? And general thoughts on the ending as well. So I thought they did a great job of establishing her relationship with the Kaiser through all points of this film, from the introduction where she's the new girl on the staff and he latches on to her from talking military, right? Asks her opinion about what the moves are of, of Hitler and what she would do in that circumstance. So we, we get kind of a, a playful introduction to her character um, in relation to the Kaiser. And then from there, he's obviously the plot, the plot driver as far as once they're, uh, romantic tryst is found out how they're allowed to continue to to stay on. Mm-hmm. Um, it developed into kind of a, a, a grandfatherly uh, relationship, which I did appreciate. I think they, you know, made it very clear, like, they can have open conversations about past loves when she opens up to the Kaiser about her interest in a man at the time. Um, and he talks about how he, you know, had married in the past even to the scene where he uh, allows them to continue because he says that he's got many vices, but one of them is not being a hypocrite because of his um, past children out of wedlock. 
I thought that scene was pretty powerful, honestly. Mm -hmm. um, he did a great job of kind of just breaking down all of the noise around that situation and just being like, you're two people that I trust regardless if one of you is a British spy and the other one is a <laughs> person who's only here because he got desk assigned after being hurt during a, a Nazi incursion. Like, I thought that he was a grandfather throughout a lot of those scenes and even towards the end when he was the reason that they were able to escape um, from that perspective of, of being like, uh, hey, uh, she's the spy and she's going to try to kill you. And the SS is coming, and he's like, well, you better fucking get her in here quick. And I was like, yeah, it's Grandpa. Get her in here. Let's go. So the <laughs> ending was better than the rest of the film for me. I think uh, as, as they were kind of progressing throughout that whole thing, I was engaged with it uh, much more than I was during the middle. Um, and I think that relationship was, was important because you got to see a lot of humanizing factors from him and his character. Great answer. That's totally how I felt about the two of them as well. I don't know if Cole and Eric, if you guys want to weigh in one last time, one last round of thoughts before we give reviews. I felt like this movie was, for the most part, very like historically accurate and representative of the time, which I did enjoy. Um, I was uh, looking at it under a microscope trying to find something to complain about for uh, historical inaccuracies. And I knew you were. I, I was watching I, this. I'm like, damn, they better be good because Cole's going to fucking rip them a noon if they're not. Mm -hmm. yeah. I, uh, I realistically couldn't find much. The only real scene was the guy who was doing the um, uh, Morse code was using his wrong hand. Ooh, but maybe I he's just that goofy. Got him. Fuck that noise. Sorry. <laughs> North Morse but, code. Uh, Rip, bozo. Ooh. Yeah. Um, otherwise, I thought, like, you know, the costumes and the set designs and the overall, like, aesthetics were all very, very well done. Um, you know, Christopher Palmer, very, very fun, fun guy. Did a fantastic job. But um, I think I think this weakest point in this film was just its overall writing and i think they were trying to do something they were trying to force something into an already interesting story and dynamic that i wish they explored like i really wish we got more of the kaiser and like his kind of um that relationship of post-world war one going into world war two you know that ending with uh you know captain boomerang shooting the ss officers i did enjoy that and i was excited to see that the kaiser was also on his time on his his side and it Jai almost became Courtney, like a cool Jai Courtney Jai Courtney Captain Boomerang ah, that's what I've been saying the whole time <laughs> I uh I love just the ending was almost like a buddy cop thing of the old man pretending to be sick so they could smuggle out the uh the guy's girlfriend um but it just happened to be during Nazi times uh which was kind of funny but I I will say I was disappointed that when they got out and he dropped off Lily and James, or Lily James. Um, she asked him to like, you gotta, you're gonna have to come with me. They'll kill you. And he's like, nah. Someone else shot them. I'll be good. I'll see you later. And I was just like, oh. it was so like, just like nonchalant. Eh, but he wasn't wrong. I didn't question it. I was like, yeah, he's probably right. I mean, he's definitely like probably right. But like, fuck, man, just fuck it. If you love her, why, why fucking, why are you staying? Right? Like, had the Nazis really been like, that good to you? He's practical. Is he at that really same because... interaction was her basically looking at him trying to stop herself from telling him like I'm pregnant and he just says I know 
Yeah. I know. <laughs> that happened right there with that exchange. And I was like, oh, I can read her mind too. I know what she's trying to say. Oh and I like that they didn't say it right away. Made me feel smart. All right. You know what I didn't like about this film uh, is that stupid Morse code throughout all of it. From the very opening scene, throughout every fucking aspect, it was... Yeah, I get it. You're fucking Morse coding, and the whole point is you're going to find the preacher who did it. But you literally... Oh, it was so annoying. I was just like, I want to turn this off. Just stop beeping. Just stop it. I didn't know what it was at first, and then I realized what was going on. Uh, and, uh, immediate. First scene was the yeah. heartbeats mixed with Morse code is my very first note. I was like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> My uh, grandpa did Morse code in World War II uh, in oh, Japan, cool. and uh, so, like, actually did give me a little interest in it, uh, where I was just like, oh, so this is what it's like to do Morse code. Cole, you and, should like, do a deep exactly, dive. Yeah, this is what my grandpa did in Japan. Yeah, I, I want to like, know if, what, if the Morse code was legit, <laughs> yeah. or if they were just literally doing beep, 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 they were just, like, tapping yeah. buttons just for the shits <laughs> and giggles of it. <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. You should find well, out I'll for sure. us. I'll find out for you. <laughs> we don't still know Morse code, but there's enough people that do that have some. I'm somebody sure, that does, I'm sure. Tuned yeah. into that movie to know. I bet there's people that are like specialists in Morse code that are hired by movie production houses just mm. for that. I'd also just like to, to complain sure about the scene Probably where they World had like veterans, yeah. the sexy times. Yeah. One of the like the second or third times they were getting together, and then they immediately transitioned to the scene with the dead bodies in the mass grave. It's like that was just so hot. awkward. I guess he was hot. Was he hot? And then he started <laughs> having weird. Yeah, it was so yeah. weird. It was just like, oh, yeah. uh, what? Sex was so good. He passed out into his uh, reoccurring nightmare. Thank yeah. you. I guess that was what they were going for, but it was just mm-hmm. weird. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Silliness, oh, um, Eric. Any final thoughts? I need to ask you. Even yeah, I'm drunk I've... rambling, but I have a bunch of thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Well, um, you can get it on your final go, but right, yeah, I, I, thoughts, Eric, before your review, or I mostly, do you want to jump straight to? Your I'll just review? jump straight into the review. Uh, yeah. I mostly go. It's review time for those who haven't listened yeah. before. We rate our movies on a scale of A to F, twenty-four, including E. So for some of us, with this <laughs> comes part the end, <laughs> where Eric's gonna be our first to rate this movie. All right. So um, the acting in this overall, like, I found it to be good. Uh, Jai Courtney, Lily James were more average to me, but then Christopher Plummer and Janet McTeer really took this to another level, and I feel like that really saved the film. And, like, our historical context of, like, creating a story about the Kaiser in... Uh, Exodus in the Netherlands. I I found that to be really interesting, but then it was the romance that kind of bogged it down for me. I'm sorry to say, like, there was just very little character development with our two main characters. Right off the bat, you take your clothes off, you take your clothes off, and I feel like we could have just gotten a little more flirting or something uh, to create that character. And I'm sure the book does this, and I'm sure the book, like, probably expands on these thoughts exponentially but like uh just the movie does not it just kind of drops you right into it i i feel like this film like wasn't a bad film either but it just wasn't great and so that really drops it in the, in the middle of the road for me and i i'd say if uh 
you're a World War II, like, history nut, I think that this is worth watching, because there's not a lot of films about Kaiser Wilhelm or, you know, the German monarchy after World War One. Uh, very little. If you're a big romance fan, I think that you could actually like this film, too. I'm kind of like uh, in the middle of both, where I am not... I I like... Okay, I like a good romance film if it, like, uh, really provides its good character development. And then I like a good war history film if it really explores those things. But then this kind of goes, like, a partway in between those two genres... And it doesn't, like, carry it over the edge for either of them for me. So I will land in the middle and give it a C, 24. Fair enough. I'm going to go right after you. And state that I think that this is a good romance for me. Not necessarily because of our main two actors, but because of the world that they are in. I like that it's a war-era movie that doesn't show me any war. It's all implied war. It's all things that you have an awareness of. It's not like you need to know every single in-between, but you need to know enough that when Hitler's secondhand man shows up to the mansion, you know that it's really important. And you know that because the characters are letting you know that as well. The fact that they all stand out. The fact that even before our main character, the captain, shows up, you see the maids, like, running around making sure that everything's in order. They make sure that we know that they're low on staff, that they need the help, that they're supported by the government that exiled them. All of these kind of things, they, as Eric said, spoon-fed you, but it's so much more than that. That's so well-written, I feel, into the characters where... It just felt like caramel to me. It all just flowed together and it was sweet and it was well written for me. I liked the characters. Um, but like Cole said, they were trying to force something into an already interesting story. And I'm sorry to steal that from you, Cole, but that's how I did <laughs> feel about the main romance of this movie. I feel like it was a romantic in the proper sense where like you look at a painting and you call it a romantic, but it's not because of two lovers loving each other. It's just a romantic piece. And that's how I felt about this movie as well. I don't like that this romance was basically two characters that have these like strong moral convictions or you would think so. Or else you think that they're very young people that don't hold very strongly onto their convictions. Even in wartime when they should more than ever because they see a gorgeous body in front of them and... By all means, the two actors perform well and are gorgeous, so props to them for that, but everybody acts well in this movie. I think that watching it with the acting involved, with the cinematography, which I really liked their kind of muted, dulled colors, which looked almost of the time, so like that was a conscious choice. And I really appreciated that aspect to it. I appreciated the score. Other than a few montages where I feel like it just like really was grating on my ears. But otherwise, I think the writing, I think the directing was very much like a play where it was this twisted drama throughout. We knew things as the audience that the characters didn't know. We knew this was upcoming. 
They didn't know it. And even if that difference was two minutes or 20 minutes, I felt like we were in the, we were in the know or we weren't. So I was sitting on my seat. I was, I was interested throughout this entire movie and it was against, I think my best judgment or even what I thought this movie was going to be for me. I really enjoyed it. And I found the pacing to be well and good and I did like it. So this all said, um, I like, again, doubling back to, it's just already interesting with the Kaiser. They inserted something else that isn't the strongest suit and that's supposed to be what I care about the most. So that is the big stab into this movie being the main aspect of this movie. B minus 24. So Cole, why don't you come after me? Because I uh, quoted you enough. Yeah. So um, I don't know if anyone has said this before, but um, this movie already had such a good story, and then they just tried to jam something <laughs> else. <laughs> no. Um, yeah. It like you know, I think I've already covered a lot of it. Um, you know, I, I I'm very interested in the history and aspect, and. Um, Especially again, that time between like the end of World War One with with Germany and that whole um, you know the empire, and then into World War Two, and just like that kind of transition is always very interesting. To you know how did how did a you know a whole country right get to the point of just completely becoming essentially the you know hallmark of an evil villain for you know generations beyond right? Like there's it's such a unique point in history and stories and stuff. Um, but then, uh, you know, with, with all this romance and it just didn't really feel like real romance and they never really made me, it's like they, they wanted me to be, think that this, you know, Nazi captain boomerang was a good guy, but he still stayed true to his ways of being a Nazi. And, I don't know. I just I felt like it was a very bold choice to to throw in the the romance and the star-crossed lover aspects and stuff and maybe if it was put in a less intense and um kind of volatile part of history and was more of um more fantasy version, I guess, than set in like, you know, 1940s, you know, um not in Germany but a part of the Nazi regime and stuff. Um, I think it may have done better as a romance, but, uh, you know, props to them for trying to make a romantic film. Uh, I, I did not find it super romantic. I uh, kind of just, I watched it, felt a little disappointed. Felt like, you know, this definitely was not, I would say, a terrible movie. Um, I think I think they had some good points, and they they could have done something very, very cool and interesting but it just felt flat and maybe the writing wasn't wasn't necessarily the best or um just don't do the romance man or if you're gonna do the romance make it more romantic instead of just you know two people banging it out all the time i mean that's i don't know i I, uh overall i don't know if it's worth seeing but uh, if you're interested in the subject matter or if you want to see, like, a Nazi whip his dick out, uh, you know, more power to you. Well, what a great selling point, Cole. That's the yeah. one. Um, That's yeah, what I, you're I'm going to give it down, too. 
<laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna give this a C minus C minus twenty four guys. So what to say that already hasn't been said? That's what you usually find yourself in when you get to the fourth of four in reviews. Someone's got to do it. So I will gladly be that guy. So say it. I'm going to say it. I didn't like this movie. I really didn't. From start to finish, it was boring. There really wasn't a ton of to it that I was like, yeah, I'm enjoying myself. It might have been me procrastinating into a, a weeknight, work night, watch at the end of the night. It probably had something to do with it. But honestly, it just really wasn't anything great. Christopher Plummer did fantastic. I loved watching him. But at the end of the day, he played an old man. He was 87 when he did it. It was still slow and plodding. The rest of it was a little weird. Cole touched on it. The sex aspect was kind of just blunt in your face. It was just kind of like, hey, we're going to bang it out. Sweet. Now there's, like, it was relatively predictable i knew that she was the british spy from the introduction of her as a character i don't know if that makes me any headier than anyone else but it was just kind of <laughs> like well here we are this is clearly the way this is going i didn't appreciate the idea that they could blend real world um and fantasy that was cool so i could imagine myself being like this could be a real life documentary or a, a historical documentation of something that actually happened which it was in world war ii but then you add a, a fantastical element in it. So they did a good job with that. I didn't touch on the music too much because it really wasn't too much. It was grandiose. They did a really good score from the perspective of using a lot of orchestral elements and um, made it very nice. But there wasn't anything to write home about um, performance-wise. We all touched on it a little bit. But uh, Christopher Flummer gets the A. And everyone else was just kind of there to make his realization happened or his fantasy i guess or whatever you want to call it i am rambling that's very clear uh this movie existed as i told eric before we started and he echoed in his review was great wasn't bad wasn't anything it was just kind of there so we're gonna give it a, a c 24 uh yeah we'll go c 24 that's gonna do it good enough awesome average at very good thank you everyone for participating in the discussion of this movie and thank you all for listening very much we really appreciate you and we will appreciate you even more if you let us know that you enjoyed this movie by giving us a positive review or just an honest review we'll take either feedback so make sure you do leave us that review and you follow us on all kinds of socials. We are everywhere and we are growing and we are legion. So <laughs> thanks again. We really appreciate it. Good night. We are Ready? Africa. <laughs> Two lovers. I don't know if I'm allowed to say forbidden that. Forbidden from one another. From one what another. is he doing? A war, A war divides their, their people. people. Secret tunnel divides them apart. Build a path together. Together. What? And I forget the last couple lines, but secret tunnel. Secret tunnel. Secret tunnel. Through the mountains. Through the mountains. Secret, secret, secret,
24.